Hey, folks. Uh, thanks for listening this evening. Hey, how are you guys? RGCWV, Random Geek Culture in West Virginia. I am your host, Luke Hersey, and this is Alex McLean. I think he's over here. Yeah, he's over here. And uh, tonight we actually have a uh, podcast. Usually we have more people, but um, we're doing a podcast on um, on something that me and Alex specifically um, do a lot of, um, which is gardening and fermenting. Um, we uh, we've been talking about doing this episode for a while, and uh, we just I mean with with the season, you know, you know Mother's Day is coming, you know that's the time to put your garden in. And so we decided that uh, we wanted to do a podcast sometime around when uh, people are starting to put their gardens in because, you know, maybe you'll watch this episode and you'll be like, oh, well, maybe this is something I want to do, too. So this is this is what we're what we're going to do. Alex, you want to uh, give a little bit more detail on that? Yeah. Um, so a few years ago, I started making hot sauce. I, you know, I don't, what caught me into this? What caught me interested in this in the first place? I don't really remember. It might have been Luke's encouragement, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, um, started to grow hot peppers, habaneros mostly, and, you know, got to reading about how it's done and have gotten a little better every year, gotten a little more advanced, um, try more creative things. And, you know, it, it turns out that's a process, that there's um, there's more to it than maybe you'd think, but it's not so complicated that you can't do it at home. So, uh, yeah, this we're going to be talking about making hot sauce and making stuff out of what we grow in our gardens. I mean, I definitely think that um, I might have influenced that a little bit, but I do think that, uh, you know, around the same time that we uh, we started working together... Um, we both were talking about, you know, our love of hot sauces. Um, in fact, I think it was when we were working together because we were talking about how horrible um, the air quality was in there. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, I would, I, I, every night I would constantly make um, a, a hot ramen, you know, at the start of my shift and so I'd add some sriracha, some spicy Asian mustard, and they would be my 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 hot ramen. And I'm like, how how can I how can I do this? And we were talking about it, and and I was like, how can I emulate this? And so this was one of my first projects. It was I came up with a basically an emulation of that same ramen sauce, but actually from the same kind of idea that goes behind the sriracha in the hot spicy Asian mustard. Um, basically it's, um, it's a, it's a kind of a jelly, uh, but it's, it's got jelly properties, but it's not exactly a jelly. Um, but it's got, uh, cayenne, Thai pepper, um, Italian frying pepper, and then, what uh oh yeah mustard seed and white pepper and uh fantastic it's fantastic um it it, it, com it comes out really good so that that's kind of a primer of you know you know talking about how we got these wheels turning on on these these hot sauces alex what was your first like hot sauce attempt 
my first hot sauce was more of what's like me you know, I learned later is a blended salsa that it wasn't really a true hot sauce because it wasn't fermented and it was tomato based and just I don't know I, I just kind of threw stuff in a blender and um, and that was it and that was it and it you know it, it was good it was good as far as that goes but uh, you know I, I knew at the time that there was room for improvement and that's one of the things um, it, it's it's taken some experimentation it's taken some uh trying to figure out what's the best way to do this and one of the things that i remember back when we were first talking about this was our best way to put this our disdain both of us for how much vinegar they put in hot sauce vinegar and even salt into hot sauce and and it just I want I want the flavor of the peppers. I don't necessarily want the flavor of the vinegar and the and the and the salt. And then I mean I don't know if it was Alex or me, but we were starting to look into you know you want to take out that that flavor, then ferment your stuff, and then that'll keep your shelf life because that's one of the things that you know bigger companies do is they will just add a bunch of vinegar in there and skip the fermenting process or shorten it and that's a big thing is some a, a lot of companies will will have a will do a ferment but it will be a very short-lived ferment cycle now most hot sauces that you see on the shelf they are fermented they are fermented um part of the reason for fermentation is to extend the shelf life that a blended salsa if you just take raw fruit and put it in a blender, that has the shelf life of cut raw fruit, which is, you know, not, not a day. Right. Okay. You know, you, you should eat that today. Um, fermentation extends the shelf life considerably. That really uh, a completely fermented hot sauce should be shelf stable for like a year. Right. Right. Um, you know, it, they, provided you don't crack that seal. Once you crack that seal, it should be refrigerated. That's what I do with all my hot sauces, is after I crack that seal, I, I put it in the fridge. I do that with my, my, my jams and my jellies, my hot pepper jams and jellies. Um, but I think we're getting ahead of ourselves, uh, Alexa. Um, I think uh, what we really need to start talking about is uh, the beginning of the process, which is the gardening. So... Um, here two years ago we had uh mr lance murray that's a local farmer um on the podcast and he talked about sustainable farming and if you haven't listened to that episode go back and listen to it it's, it's a fantastic episode i really like it um that whole series that we did um for the post-apocalyptic appalachia um series was really really fantastic i enjoyed it a lot but um I employ some of those uh, same tactics on my garden, and um, it, it I get some really good um, results from that uh, process. And I I grow not just you know hot peppers you know for my salsa. I do the I do tomatoes. I do uh, actually one of my favorite things is uh, grape tomatoes. Um, but then I also do um romaine lettuce i really like romaine um uh, i do a lot of different um bell peppers I love bell peppers fresh bell pepper is just fantastic 
and then I do some cucumbers and uh, some squash and zucchini sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I you know one of those one of those things you want to do is you, you just want to experiment. You want to you you want to see if you actually like this. And one of the things that I do um, that's kind of like how Lance described was um, I, instead of a cover crop, I put down a, uh, a landscape fabric because I hate weeding. <laughs> I mean, who who likes weeding? <laughs> Yeah. So Luke Scoden is really interesting because he uses uh, no-till farming, right? Rather than getting a rototiller out there or you know by hand digging up the dirt, turn it all over. It just cuts a groove straight through the ground, and then then you put the 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 stuff, the gardening. What's the stuff? Landscaping fabric. Landscaping fabric. over top of it, but it doesn't tear up the soil. Yeah, and you're trying to cultivate that earthworm population. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, I mean, because it, it's always been the, the common belief, you know, you got to turn up your, your soil to, you know, to build, uh, build that up. It's not necessarily true if you're doing it right. So when I'm done with my garden, I leave my landscape fabric all the way through the winter. And then when I go to put in my new garden, I take that up. If some of the grass is growing up through where the holes were... I pull the, uh, those up by hand, and then put down new landscaping fabric, and then I put out all my new uh, vegetables. I get seedlings. I don't do from seeds. That's that. That's a complication. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't try. I've tried to do. that, and it's never worked. If you're in New North Central, though, great place to go to get seedlings is Freed's Greenhouse in Saltwell. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's where I go. That's where I've been going for like four or five years. So anyway, anyway, it's off I, the Jerry Dove Drive. Act. No, I feel like plugging them. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's you know like they don't. We're not affiliated with them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's off the Jerry Dove Drive exit. They've got no. Everything. They're the exit before. If you're going. going oh south right, now. right. Yeah, the That's salt, the went. salt well, Shinson mm-hmm. exit is what they're yeah. off of. Though of course, and, if you take the Jerry Dove, there is a road that connects the two now. <laughs> It, uh, I like them because they have a lot more variety than what I had seen at my hardware stores because most of my peppers came from Lowe's, okay? Yeah. And and that's fine. That's fine. But just they had a lot of specialty peppers, a lot of uh, – that's where I got my chocolate habaneros from. And I don't know. Those are too hot. I'm not growing those again. But <laughs> – Now, speaking, um, speaking of yours though, let's, let's talk about what you do since – because you have not a big plot of land for a garden. I mean, I don't have a huge piece of property, but I have enough for a garden. But you don't really have a place to do that. So what do you do, Alex? When I first started doing this, I was in an apartment. Even my house now, I could probably build a raised garden, but I don't want to do that. So, you know, I have big pots. I just grow them like potted plants outside on the porch. And... um you know, it. one of my early struggles was I didn't get big enough pots, you know. I tried to grow. I didn't realize how big they were going to get. And I, I found my plants grow much, much larger than Luke's do. But, you but know, you I don't use, have space uh, for as cages. many of them. Right, right. Uh, peppers, peppers need to be in tomato cages just because they grow so dang big. And they'll break over. They'll they'll uh they'll fall under their own weight whenever they get a lot of peppers on them but 
I think it's because I'm using potting soil. I'm using fertilizer, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm growing much fewer of them, but the yield is incredible that there, there's so many, there's so many, I, I still have, I have too many peppers, <laughs> and what, but yeah, I, if you don't have ground to, uh, to till up or you just don't want to get a great big pot, get a great big plastic pot and a bunch of, um, uh, seedling. potting soil. Oh yeah. Put a seedling in there, and you know it's gonna look kind of funny to have to have this big, big, you know, like three by three, uh, garden pot, and a little tiny seedling in it growing up. But it'll grow, it'll grow bigger than you think. Yeah. So, but yeah, you can farm on your back porch, on your front porch. Yeah, it was it's so funny though. Uh, I went up to, over to Alex's uh, late season. And like his walkway, like he can barely squeeze by because these 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 big pots have these huge plants with like a hundred to two hundred habaneros on it. You know, that's mostly what you do uh, half the time is ha- habaneros. Did you do cayennes last year? Yeah, yeah, I tried to grow cayennes, but they came in ripe later than I wanted them to. Because I kind of want all my peppers to be ripe at the same time so I can make a sauce when they come ripe. And just the cayennes didn't didn't come ripe at the same time, and that, that, was, that was rough. The thing with cayennes, though, once they're ripe, they don't necessarily need to be picked. Cayennes mm, yeah. can stay on the vine ripe for a lot longer than most other, other plants. And that's one, one kind of, of challenge of growing peppers in West Virginia is like this is a crop that comes ripe late in the season, yeah. like in the fall, in the early, mid, late fall. That's when these things come on and you're kind of racing against the frost to get get them ripe and get them off of there. Because, I mean, it, it's every year, every year the frost kills them. And, you know, that's that's just the cycle of it. But and there are always still more to get ripe still on the vine whenever the frost comes now a old trick if you are going to get a frost soon and you have a bunch of peppers or a bunch of tomatoes or a bunch of whatever and they're not ripe yet and you want them to ripen on the vine what you can do is take a spade shovel and cut off half of the root structure with that spade shovel um, you know, a day or two before it's going to frost, and it will ripen on the vine. Um, it's a it's it an kind of old... kills the plant. Yeah, but that's kind of why it works. The plant knows it's getting killed, and it it gets its fruit out fast. It's trying yeah, that to, does work. It's trying to genetically survive. It's just peppers are not a plant that grows naturally in this environment. It's too cold for them. Right. You know? right. I'm told you can overwinter them. If, if you bring them in and have somewhere that they get partial sunlight, but not freezing temperatures, I'm told you can overwinter a pepper plant, but I've never fooled with that. Yeah, that's, uh, I feel, I feel like that's overcomplicating it. That's, that's over, that's over handling it, bud. <laughs> Uh, it, it it always hurts a little bit at the end of the season. You know, all of my hard work, this plant that I've I've grown all summer, 
trimmed it, put stuff on it all the time, and and harvested it, and then you got to tear it all up, throw it in the trash. Now, <laughs> you know, we talked about about gardening, but here's a good 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 thing that we want to talk about and br- want to bring up in the podcast is one of the reasons why you want to grow your own vegetables versus buy them at the grocery store. Yeah, you could buy peppers at the grocery store, but there's a key reason why you don't necessarily want to do that. Half of the time, those are not fresh. Those have been frozen. And if they have been frozen... And Alex has experimented with this himself. If they, if that pepper has been frozen, there's a good possibility it will either not ferment or not ferment well. And that, so you want that pepper to be fresh. Plus, half the time when you go to the grocery store, all the habaneros, half of them are already bad already anyway. So, aside uh, from that, they're really expensive. For, like, to make a whole batch of sauce, you know, I have a whole sink full of peppers. Well, my God, if I bought that many peppers from the grocery store, one, I would buy all the peppers they have. And two, that would be several hundred dollars right. in, in peppers. <laughs> like, right. When you buy, it, buy a seedling and, you know, nurture it through the season, you're spending, like, maybe, maybe $10. You know, so you buy a couple seedlings, you're 30, 40 bucks in. But if you bought it from the grocery store, you're like several hundred dollars in. So, and you're, you're going to get like a very low yield of hot sauce. So, now Alex, um, since we're on hot sauce, um, you have brought some of your hot sauce to show. Yeah, yeah, if you're watching the video here, you'll see um this is this year's apple cinnamon sauce. It's uh it's a lot more runny, I guess. Uh you would say it's it's lighter, it comes out really fast. Um You probably could you know, add it's a little uh, pectin. Uh, yeah, I don't put pectin in my sauces. I just let them be the way they are. You know, pectin is a thickening thickening agent. Yeah, I um, like the powder stuff for um, for my sauce, so- when I do a sauce, I I add the mm-hmm. uh, the powder in because you can add just a little bit into that to th- to thicken it. The only thing is, is you got to follow the manufacturer's processing on how you when you when you add it. But go on, Alex. But yeah, this I think I used Fuji apples, which are my favorite kind of apple, just because they're very sweet. Um, this has chocolate habanero and your regular orange habanero. Now they call them chocolate because of their color, not because <laughs> they taste. don't taste like they're, chocolate. They're brown habanero peppers. They're a little hotter than a regular habanero. Um, and you know, I put a assortment of other vegetables in uh my my fermentation, like carrots and uh, and. and other onions and garlic and stuff like that but uh, and then i also put a apple um apple cider vinegar you do need some vinegar in with the mix to uh to 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 thin it down and to give it more flavor um now here's here's a question you mentioned carrots what's one of the key reasons of why we always add carrots me and you both add carrots 
Carrots are something that you, know, you have to put something in the sauce to offset the hotness. If you just put hot peppers in a sauce, what you are going to make is going to taste like lava. Okay, <laughs> that it just it does it's not going to have flavor. It's just it's just going to be the hot. You need to put some more things in there for flavor. Carrots are number one good for fermentation. Number two, they're sweet but not overly so, and the result is not going to taste like carrots. Yeah. The other more flavor, flavorful things are going to overpower that carrot flavor, so it just kind of makes the sauce a little bit better. Yeah, it's, And it you can't put your permeates. finger on why. It, per- it permeates that that carrot. It doesn't make it the carrot flavor. It it it, it stretches out that, 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 that hotness. You know, and mixes it, it mixes the hotness in with the with the sweet, and it and it makes it a more more dynamic flavor. Um. So, uh, and then can I talk about my other sauce? Yeah, I was gonna say, let's go ahead and see, yeah, see your other that, sauce because uh, this the other one's one that really I cool. Made this year, it's West Virginia yeah. all over. <laughs> yes, I'm pr- I'm especially proud of this one. This is Ramps. Ramps hot sauce. Um, this was made from ramps that were dug from several locations. Several friends uh, sourced ramps for me. Uh, Kurt Dudash and Rusty Smith and my grandma Shirley Payne. And I, I dug some on their property myself. A lot of ramps. Poured a lot of ramps in this thing. Um, they they fermented very well. Was very pleased with how well they fermented. The sauce itself, I I really wanted this to be a ramp bomb. You know, I, I wanted this stuff to reek because I love them. I love ramps, and I love when they reek. And um, hey, Alex, real um, quick for our 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 non necessarily West Virginia viewers, what is a ramp? Uh, ramps are a type of wild leek that grows in the Appalachian region. It it's hard to say quite what they taste like by comparing them to other things. It's kind of like onion. It's kind of like garlic, but not really. It's not really. Not really. They're they're unique. Um, they're they're a foraged food. They're very difficult to to. You, you can't really cultivate them. No, Not in gardening or in, in pots or anything like that. People cultivate them in the woods, you know, where they grow naturally. One of the largest um, uh, farms of leeks is a basically a mountain, and it's a hundred acre like mountain, and it's just a ramp farm, and it's all wooded area and everything. It's cultivated yeah. woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't, they can't be farmed. They're not something that can be traditionally farmed. Um, they're a foraged food, kind of like truffles or something. Right. Um, or, uh, locust blooms or stuff like that's that. That's a good, that's a good, uh, example is, uh, truffles. Cause that's something yeah. that you can't, you can't farm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this sauce surprisingly didn't turn out as rampy as I had hoped that it would. Despite being loaded with ramps, I think just the hotness sort of overpowers them. And I found that it comes out more in cooking. If you put this in a soup or in, in, in something that you're going to cook that in there and not just as a topping for a taco or something, it, it brings the ramp flavor out a lot more. And 
yeah, it's uh, it's a way to have ramps year round. And that's one of the things that uh, <laughs> uh, that's one of the things that uh, I wanted to highlight about that. Talking about that sauce is it's some sauces are good, you know, on the taco on on your sandwich. You know, like the apple cinnamon is really good on a, on a sandwich. Um, what was the one that we were talking about that was that that one was really good on? It was uh, it was like because like uh, I ham I tried. sandwich, yeah, uh, was, turkey, 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 apple yes, cinnamon that, goes that, really that well turkey. with a turkey sandwich. It's really or good a turkey on turkey sub. Um, but uh, the the ram sauce, there's some sauces that are just so much better cooking. Um, like for instance, there's some sauces that, uh, like the sriracha sauce is good on everything, but the dynamic of how it tastes on a sandwich versus how it tastes on scrambled eggs is so totally different. And, uh, oh, yeah. ramp sauce and, uh, scrambled eggs or like diced potatoes, you know, you, or, uh, scalloped oh. potatoes real good. Yeah, that I could imagine that that being really good. All right, moving on. Um, so another thing that you can do with your ferment. Okay, so this one, actually, you know what? I'll do this one first. Um, so this one is a mango habanero jelly. I got a recipe for this, and um, I don't ferment this. I cut the peppers. I cut uh, and and I process the the peppers, the mango, and the the carrots all together in one shot, and uh, turn it into a jelly and put it in, and it comes out fantastic. It's great on cream cheese with with crackers, and th- this is a good sauce. But it's not it's not fermented, um, and you don't have to ferment everything that you have, um, you know, because uh, one of the key ingredients for this is um, is vinegar. And you can actually taste the vinegar in this, but the uh, the sweetness of the jelly really uh, overpowers that. Um, you can taste it a little bit, but it's not it's not too bad. Because um, I use an apple cider vinegar. What that, in my opinion, if you're going to use a vinegar, use an apple cider because that's a much better flavor than like distilled white. Distilled white is like the is, is the white bread of vinegars, in my opinion. Um, but then here's the one that I really wanted to show. And, uh, this one, this one I came up with on my own and this one is really kind of fantastic. Um, so what I do is, uh, so there's different ways that you, you can ferment and I'll show you, show you one right, right now. Um, this is, um, one that I, uh, I ferment in a, in a vacuum, uh, a vacuum, uh, uh, jar it's basically a fermenting jar, and uh, it's got a little, uh, um, see this on the top, it's got a little uh, um, gasket on the top that lets gas out, but doesn't let air in, because that's one of the things that you want. You don't want your air to get into your ferment, because that'll spoil your ferment. Um, the, this produces, a, the, the, when you're fermenting, you get a, uh, produce a gas. And <clears throat> um, so I'm fer- fermenting. Uh, fruit, and I'll talk about that in in a minute. Um, but what I do with this um, is I actually put this in a vacuum seal bag. 
Um, it's, it's distinct for the process of this one. So I get Thai chilies, I get pomegranate, and red raspberries. And I ferment, uh, I put all of those in with my salt. In um, there's, I'm not going to get into the ratio um, on, on exactly how, uh, I would, I would, I would stress don't just watch this video. I'm hoping this video wets your whistle to want to start fermenting and to read up on it because there's some very good sources on exactly how to. But um, it, to, to break it down quite quickly, um, I, you, I, I put in my products, I weigh it, and I put um, a gram weight of four in that, um, in, in that uh, vacuum seal bag. I vacuum seal it, and then what happens is there's no air in it, and then it produces its own gas. And when the vacuum seal bag gets puffy, and when I say puffy, like about to explode, then it's done. Then it's done. So after it's done, then I process this. Um, I put it, put my product on the on the stove. I uh, grind it all, uh, grind it all up with an immersion blender, and then I add my sugar and my uh, my pectin in, and I end up with a jelly that is really kind of fantastic. Um, I call I call it my raspberry tie pama jelly, and um, I gotta say that that jelly I think is the best thing that either of us have made. <laughs> that like by accident. It is, it is really great. Um, it's yeah. If you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, it's similar to Asian Zing, but it's both hotter and sweeter. And because of the flavor, the 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 pomegranate and the raspberry, it's more dynamic. So it think in that that direction. It's not it's not exactly that, but it's it's kind of like that. It's a lot better than Asian Zing, and that—that's like my favorite flavor at the Buffalo Wild that's Wings. Same. That's it's, what it's I always get. That. That's what I always get. Um, so going back to this, so what this is is um, everybody has you know heard about or or gotten the 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 banned fruit, you know, uh, you know, high local high school sells. Um, banned orange uh, oranges or or different fruits or whatever. So this was um, a, uh, a purchase of uh, banned fruit. Uh, we actually forgot that we uh, purchased it. We got the big huge box on our front porch <laughs> of fruit, and we ate it for like a week. And I was like, Cassie, we're never going to finish all of this. And she's like, I guess. We'll just throw it away. And I'm no, no, we're not going to throw it away. We're not going to throw it away. And I'm like, wait a second. So this was in like November and nothing was occupying my fermenting jar. So I was like, well, wait a second. I know what I'm going to do with this. So I took all of the, or I took the, the remainder of the apples and the pears and the oranges and the mandarin oranges and i'm gonna turn this into a jelly it's been fermenting for about six months and it's still going it's still producing i saw bubbles come up whenever you yeah 
<laughs> picked it up. Yeah, yeah, it's still going. It's still going. It's crazy. And, and that and that and that's the thing. It, you know, if it stops producing bubbles when you're fermenting, that means it's done. Yeah, it means get get do whatever you're gonna do to it. Um, and I wouldn't really do recommend fermenting anything longer than like six months. Um, usually like a month or two, and you're done. <clears throat> but now you know. to reiterate something that Luke was talking about, like if you're interested in fermenting, watch a different video. There's a lot of other folks that explain this much, much better than, than what I would. I mean, we could, but I don't want the video to be about that. Correct. Um, this but is... to give like just a basic, what is fermentation? You take stuff, uh, fruits and stuff and put it in a jar that is filled with a saline solution. You distilled water. You want distilled water. Distilled not tap, tap water. water has chlorine in it, which will kill the bacteria that you're trying to grow. Which is what um, chlorine is. It's made to do that. Right. It's made to kill, yeah. kill bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't. You don't. You don't want to kill off the bacteria. You want to grow bacteria because it's it's a specific kind of bacteria called lactobacillus or lactic bacteria that will grow in salt water, but not if it's too salty. And if it's not salty enough, you get other bad bacteria and then it just rots. Yeah. It's a, you point, know, it's a point, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a point zero, a point zero two to point zero five. It's a very narrow range. And yeah. if, if you, yeah. And watch another video on how to do right. that, but it's basically salt water, fruit and thyme. That, that's really all fermentation is. And then the lactobacillus is in there eating out all of the, the, the sugars and everything. And then their gases escape. You don't want gases to come back in because that will make it just rot. The fermentation is essentially just controlled rotting, you know. And then once it's... No, truly it is. I mean, yeah, um, I know, I know. You know, and... Um, once it's completely fermented like that, there's nowhere left to go. There's nothing left for bacteria to get into. And you know, once that's, once it's done, once it's spent, well, then it, then it keeps. Fermentation is very ancient, very old. It It's how like, Sauerkraut. you know, old timey times people kept food to, to last over the winter yeah, or sad. to last more than a day. More than a day. Oh, um, you were talking about uh, the, the type of water, distilled water. Another thing that I want to point out, kosher salt. You don't want to use table salt because that is iodized. And when I say iodized, meaning it's it has iodine mixed in with it to kill bacteria. That's another thing that will kill your ferment. Use kosher mm -hmm. salt. It has no... No additives, it's just salt. So yeah, you just leave it in the jar, and t when you when it's making bubbles, then you know you're good. The bubbles are the gases that are trying to escape, and when it stops making bubbles, then you're ready to put it in a blender and make sauce. And I, w I mean, we've tried a couple different ways. I would suggest just buying a fermentation jar or even fermentation lid and uh in vac vacuumer for it because that's just the the easier way to do it or the vacuum seal bags i i advocate for those those are really easy e easy to use that's a cheap way to 
to to start dabbling into fermentation. Um, but uh, the the if you actually use like a regular mason jar with a lid for your fermentation, it'll explode. When that gas yeah. builds up, it will explode this jar. Mm-hmm. So, my other tip on that is also sanitation. Like you, you need to practice good sanitation protocols for that. You you need to be as clean as possible in everything that you're doing. Whenever whenever you're putting stuff in the jar, I mean, try not to even breathe in it. Really. Uh, you know, because you don't want to get contaminants in there. You don't want to get bacteria in there because, like, it will, it, it'll rot on you. Now, how, um, do you, how do you sanitize your stuff? Um, with bleach, for one thing. And I usually run it through the dishwasher, like, twice, and I run it hot. Yeah. And the, the jars, I boil the jars. Like, I, I bring, you know, a pot, which has also been cleaned with bleach, up to a boil, boil the jars, pour them in there. Now, pour them in there hot. Now, I do the uh, the dishwasher method for a lot of my stuff, but, like, these big, huge fermentation jars, um, they're usually a little bit bigger than uh, what I can really do in, a, in my dishwasher. Um, so what I'll do is um, there is an oven sanitation method as well, um, it's a certain specific controlled uh, temperature, but I mean, if you're interested in just look, oh, look it up, don't don't just take our word for it. Look that 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 would be the highlight of this episode is mm-hmm. look this up. <laughs> go, go somewhere else to 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 look that up. Um, and you know, it's easy to just search for it and find things for here. But just in general, sanitation is important. If you if it's poorly sanitized, it'll grow mold. And uh, um, I, I think that one of the things that Alex said when I was fer- first starting to ferment and I didn't really understand the whole process, um, because one of the things that you'll get sometimes on your on your ferment is like, uh, uh, you know, like like a white. Like like what what you might think might be mold um, and what Alex said uh, in and I've always followed this but again look look this other stuff up um, is uh, if it looks fuzzy it's probably mold if it's just white and like chalky it's what's called calm yeast and that is a uh, that is a yeast that uh, is is produced during your fermentation process uh, just when you're done scrape it off discard it it's fine Growing yeast like that is an indication of a failed sanitation, but it's not the worst thing that can happen. Don't blend that in. It yeah, like for no reason other than because it tastes bad. Yeah. Like it's not bad for you. It's not it won't make you sick. It just doesn't taste very good. You just you just dip that out with a spoon. But yeah, it can grow yeast. It happens. It happens to lots yeah. of mine, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've never had mold. But forums that I'm on on, on the internet, they they show a lot of mold pictures, you know. Uh, I will say that if you are interested, um, the uh, Reddit subgroup R Fermentation is fantastic. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of good resources on that one. Oh man, 
I am so stuffy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm a little... Yeah. So you're going to make a, a just a jelly. Is that... What all What all fruits are in that jar there? Um. So that is apples, um, pears, uh, regular oranges, and then uh, mandarin oranges. Um, okay. So what I'm going to do, and um, from a other ferment... Um, from uh, a year ago, um, this is a, uh, uh, a grape juice that I fermented, and then blended down, um, sifted out, and then rebottled. And uh, if you if you look, I sealed it with wax, so then nothing can get in. And so I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do with it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this as the as the juice of it. And then I'm going to use that as the product. Um, I'm going to discard the uh, the brine from that, but I'm going to blend up all that fruit and then add this juice. And then I'm going to make what I'm going to dub as prison wine jelly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I th- it's uh, I think it's going it, to. It's gonna be interesting. I don't. I don't know exactly how it's gonna turn out, but I think it's gonna be interesting. Um, uh, for my mother-in-law, um, we got uh, her um, from a, a local place, um, um, moonshine jelly, and it was really. It was really good. It was really. Uh, I mean, there's obviously no alcohol in it because in the pro in in the uh, processing phase, you're boiling your product, so. Um, so there's no alcohol in it, but it's got that flavor. It's got that 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 strong moonshine flavor. It brings a teardrop to my eye. <laughs> yeah, and you know that's a good point. That it's never something that I've looked into, but making wine uh, is a somewhat similar process. Right. It doesn't use uh, you know lactic. It's not lactic fermentation. It's a yeast based fermentation. Yeah, but similar equipment yeah i've it, thought it, about it yeah the, i've i've thought about it a couple times a uh, couple times too obviously you don't add salt into it yeah but i mean i gotta tell you this has been sitting here long enough it smells like wine yeah yeah i mean a, a lactic fermentation can have alcohol in it but like it, it's a negligible amount and whenever you pasteurize it you you boil that away yeah. it's not it's not useful as alcohol you know yeah and that's that's fine where i'm not trying to i'm not trying to cultivate you know an actual measurable alcohol maybe someday i'll, I'll do do a wine or a beer or something like that but uh this is it'd be this, interesting and, yeah. that, and that's that's the thing that we do a lot on this show, is we do hobbies, and this is a hobby of ours. We our our hobby is to I mean, to 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 ferment and to garden and everything. And this is this it's a fun hobby, and it's one that a lot of people can enjoy. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like doing my jellies so much. Is I make so much, I can't I can't eat it all on my own. But a lot of people really enjoy my jellies. I mean, Alex enjoys my jelly, uh, and uh, one of the ladies that uh, that uh, um, 
that Cassie works with. She gets so excited when I when it's when it's jelly making season because she's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> Luke's gonna make more jelly." <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like it. I like it. I like I like making people happy. Making people happy makes me happy. <laughs> no, I like I like to give my hot sauce away to friends and stuff. I like you know here you know, don't leave without a bottle of hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think we've uh, pretty much reached the end of this episode. I think we hit most of the bases, don't you think so, Alex? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish I had a fermentation jar to show, but this isn't the time of year for that. Come back in the fall, you know. <laughs> yeah, his 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 ferment fermentation jars is like some alchemy shit. It's like. No. It's got, it's got the, you got the thing on the top, and then the other thing, and then, you know. Well, okay, so I, I in the past use uh, an airlock, um, lid that it, it basically has like a little vial on the top that has water in it, and then there's a cap over top of that water, and then whenever the gas escapes, it goes through the water in the airlock, and the water keeps the air from coming back in. Right. Um, I've since gone to using the lids, the gasket lids like Luke has, cause they're easier. Yeah. They're, they're way just... easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't talk about making dry spices. Oh yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's the recent thing that we're both, both been dabbling in. Um, and in previous episodes, you've seen me, um, hanging the, uh, cayenne peppers and the Thai chilies. I'll I'll hang those for six months to a year, basically until they're dry, till they feel crispy. Um, and you, whenever you hang dry anything, you want to use um some kind of pepper that is not thick, that doesn't have a lot of water in it. Essentially, they that can hang dry and it won't spoil. If if uh, uh if you're at all wondering if it starts turning black or whatever, crack it open half the uh, almost every time it's got mold in it and just discard it. Um, and whenever you hang hang dry something, you do want to inspect all your stuff to make sure that it all all looks uh, looks good. I like doing it because it looks really cool, um, but I end up throwing away like half of what I hang. Um, but then Alex, you've what are you doing now? Uh, yeah, I got me, well, it was a birthday present, I believe, birthday or Christmas, my dad got me a, um, a dehydrator. Dehydrator is typically used to make jerky, which I might get into that eventually. That, that's on my list of things to get in making jerky too. Different video, different topic. Um, what I have already done in it is dehydrating peppers to make a powder out of them, and more recently, I made a batch of ramps, that just the greens, just the leaves of the ramps, put those in the dehydrator, grind them up into a powder to make a ramp seasoning, or mix them together to make a ramp hot pepper seasoning, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, um, the same thing can be done with a lot of different, uh, different fruits that you can put these into the dehydrator and t- you know, it takes all the water out of them. That's how people make banana chips and like uh, apple crisp 
things. You know, you, you, you can make that out of them. Um, but what I'm using them for is hot pepper flakes. When I, uh, when I hang dry my stuff, um, so I've got, uh, two, two specific spices. Um, one is, uh, so I showed you the, the ramen sauce. Essentially, I'm doing the same thing in one of my seasons. <clears throat> it's got mustard seed, white pepper, and then cayenne peppers, then uh, Thai chili peppers, and then I grind those up in the uh, in the spice grinder, and I call it Luke's Spicy Spice. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's got mustard in it, so there's only certain things that I can add it to. And then another one that I make um, is just cayennes and Thai chilies. Gosh, this last year I had so many uh, leftover cayennes and Thai chilies that um, I, I one of those huge, you know, big thick jars. Um, I filled that, and uh, it's just the the cayenne and the Thai Thai chili and then kosher salt, you know, uh, to to balance it out a little bit. Um, and I called it Cool Guy Tai Kai. Luke has silly names for everything. I do. I, do. I like that. That's part of my hobby. Uh, yeah, I know it's it is. In fact, it, I even do that on some of the uh, some of the episodes. Because I'll, uh, I'll I'll do we've, that. We've noticed. <clears throat> <laughs> Coming up with silly names for things, and you know that's a good thing to do with your leftovers. You have more peppers than you needed to make a sauce. You can dehydrate them later on and make a dry powder out of the rest of them. And the thing is with uh, with uh, um, dehydrating is maybe throw it in your freezer because you're going to use it somewhere else, but you end up not using it. You can't for you can't necessarily ferment those peppers that you threw in the freezer, but you can always dehydrate. So that that's the a... reason being, remember, I mentioned lactobacillus, lactic bacteria Well, freezing kills all of the bacteria in there. And there's no guarantee that they're going to come back like you, you need those bacteria for fermentation. And if you try to if you try to ferment them after they've been frozen, they'll either not do anything, just simply not ferment or, or they'll eventually mold. Um, one of the things that you can do, though, if you end up uh, uh, fermenting and you threw some stuff in the uh, freezer, um, adding that brine back in can sometimes kickstart yeah. a ferment, but there's no guarantees. So, again, said it before, I'll say it again. Look some other videos up. <laughs> yeah. Look some other for uh, forms up. Uh, there, there's a lot of people that are, smar are smarter than us out there. So. I probably could do an instruction video, but that this is not an instruction video. No, it's not an instruction video. This is a this is a this is a this is something that we uh, we we have as a hobby. This is random geek culture, and that is this, this is, is that's one out. of the things we geek out about. Yeah. Which, um, considering uh, of the time and everything, you wanna wanna do a geek out? Oh no. Oh, I didn't think of one. I've I didn't got think one, of one, so maybe you can think of one while I'm going over mine. Go on, geek. Okay, so I know this is the new hotness, and everybody's talking about it. 
But my gosh, is Elden Ring fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. I I love that game. Um, I haven't felt this, this way about a game in a while. Um, in fact, the last time that I really felt this way about, it, about a game... Um, it was probably Legend of Zelda. Actually, no. You know what? No, the last time I felt this way about a game was Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima had that, but there there is more to Elden Ring. Obviously, there is a steep learning curve for that game, and I've never liked Souls-likes. Souls-like games, I've always been bad at them. So what I did was I looked up a guide on how to level myself up quickly at the beginning. So then, because there's no difficulty slider, <laughs> you know? There's no difficulty slider, so I can't, I can't make the game easier on myself. So I made the game easier on myself by leveling up. The thing that uh, they, the game doesn't tell you is that leveling up your character doesn't necessarily make you better at the, at the game your gear does and um and a lot of like old stage mmos or, or late stage mmos it's not your level that makes you you know awesome it's the gear that you have and you're really getting your gear more than you know gaining your level a lot of people are really uh uptight about you know oh well when as soon as you die you lose all your xp xp doesn't really matter so much in this game it's your gear, and when you die, you don't drop your loot. You only drop your XP. So, if you if you if you get a chance, Alex or anybody listening, Elden Ring's pretty cool. Give it a chance. Get it on a sale if you don't want to get it. You know when it's when it's brand new. Get it on a sale. It's really good. It's really good. All right. Did you think of one, Alex? Um. You know nothing other than. The game that I've been playing recently, uh, No Man's Sky. I never played No Man's Sky whenever it came out, and I know it was like the hype or the controversy, and I never really followed all that. I am told that the game has changed considerably from when it came out, and so I, I don't know. I didn't experience all of that growing pains or whatever. Um, I'm playing it on PS4, but I know it, it's on it's on Switch and it's on Steam now. Um, yeah, it's 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 fun. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna say it's the best game I've ever played, but it's um, it's nice to just explore. That's kind of that, that's the kind of game it is. It has a main story, but the main gameplay loop is just going around finding stuff. Uh, figuring out what to do with it. It's a good example of what they call emergent gameplay, that there's not necessarily a narrative, there's not a story. You kind of, your own story happens as it happens. You go to a planet, you find a weird outpost, there's monsters inside of it, you fight them or not. <laughs> you know, you just run away. Um, and then, just go about your business, figuring out, finding out what all is on this planet. And if you're bored with that one, go to a different one. Like that, that's kind of the game. I, uh, I played uh, No Man's Sky um, 
about a year after it released, and I enjoyed it then. I mean, I understand that it's even changed a lot since the last time I played it. Um, and I, I'm going to have to, you know, endorse Give No Man's Sky a chance. I mean, that's that's a it's a fun game. I'm not going to say that it's like the most amazing gaming experience you're ever going to have. But it's pretty good. It's pretty cool. And it's a little bit outside of everything else. That that's that's the thing. If it you're is looking, unique. It yeah, is unique. If it has some else. MMO elements to it in that like even if you don't have like the PlayStation Online account and stuff where you actually can play simultaneous multiplayer, um, yeah, the things that you discover in the game are are permanent. That they that they are static. They stay that way. Uh, and whenever other people go to a planet that you discovered, it says that you discovered it. Whenever you build a base, it stays there. Other people can find that base. Um, you know, and like that's, it is a shared ecosystem. It's a shared universe, but it's also so fantastically big because it's procedurally generated and it's, it's random and, and there's what how you know so many pentillion different planets. Yeah, when I was playing, but that said, you do run into other people's planets once in a while. That's kind of cool. When I was playing, um, there was only one time where I had actually ran into another player. Um, yeah, I know. I've not saw another actual person. And you, you've played it a lot more than I had. I, I probably put like thirty hours into it, maybe. You know how long? Yeah, you... maybe maybe eighty. Oh. Like I kind of was in it for a while. Yeah. And you're playing a different iteration, and you might be on a different side of the galaxy than I was on. So mm-hmm. that's the that's the thing. It's uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty big game. The thing that I really liked when I was playing it though was when you started it up, it would zoom in, and you would pass all these other star systems and stuff like that. And you would see the names and maybe even the players of the people that played that that were went to that star system, and I always thought that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that game. Yeah. So No Man's Sky, it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. So um, uh, I think we're going to uh, finish out. We never did the intro uh, to the to the episode, and I think that's okay. We don't have to do it every time. Yeah, um, but uh, anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, um, watch more, like this episode, like it on the YouTube's, like it on the on the anchor. I don't know if you can like on anchor. Can you? Can you? I don't know. Um, and uh, all the links to on Linktree can take you to all the other places. Um, then there's a link to Linktree in the links of the the link, and. Uh, <laughs> um, you can uh, drop me an email at uh, uh, randomwvgeek at gmail.com. You can even send me a text to uh, 304-566-9777. And uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode and uh, this wets your whistle to fermenting and gardening and that you look more into it because cap on this episode, we looked up stuff. We encourage you to as well. Because that's part of the part of the experience is looking at other people's experiences and making them your own. I mean, that's 
where this came from. And look what I made. You can look what I made. You yeah. can't ta taste it, but yeah. Yeah, and Alex with his ramp sauce. It's just... Get out there and experiment. But, uh... Plant your gardens! But be careful. You don't want botulism. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the end. Welcome to the end.